Hey, it's Pedro here. Welcome back to another Vine Church podcast. This weekend, we had an amazing Easter service. Pastor A gave a powerful message. I hope you guys enjoy. And remember, just keep coming back. I want to open up our Bibles today to John chapter 20. It's Easter, so we're going to talk about the Easter Situation, and we're going to talk about what happens in Scripture in Easter. And so, John chapter 20, verse 11. If you have your Bibles, you can open up there. John 20, 11. If you have your smartphones, can open up the Bible app and go there. We're going to read from there today. John 20, verse 11. This is what the Bible says. This is uh, the story of 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 Easter. Happening, Jesus has just been uh, crucified on Friday, Good Friday, we call. There's just gone through Silent Saturday, which is a day of silence and Sabbath where nothing happened. And, and, and early in the morning, this is what takes place after the death of Jesus. The Bible says this, but Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and she looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been laid. Then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now, when she had said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be a gardener, said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned to him and said, Rabboni, which is Aramaic for teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but I go to my brethren and say to them, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father and my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and she told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, because they were in fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst. And he said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad, where they, the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them, Peace be to you. As my Father has sent me, I also send you. Can you bow your heads and close your eyes in reverence to the word of God as we jump into this word this morning? Jesus, we're grateful this morning, God. This morning uh, is a celebration. This morning is a special morning because once a year, God, it's like the whole world just stops to, to just stop and, and look at you, Jesus. It's like the whole world just stops to tell the most important story that has ever been told, to tell the most important moment of history, to tell 
of, of the most insignificant moment in time, God, where you stepped down and you clothed yourself as a man, where you lived a life for 33 years, where you willingly gave yourself up, Jesus, spotless, blameless, innocent, perfect, never have sinned, and yet an innocent man, you, Jesus, took our place on the cross, bearing the weight of our sin, bearing our mistakes, bearing our iniquity and our transgressions, Jesus. Jesus, we're just so grateful this morning. And Jesus, we just pray that your word may have power, and your word may pierce us, and your word may transform us. In your holy name, we pray, and everybody in this room says amen. amen. Everybody says amen. 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 The title of my message this morning is From Garden to Garden. And I believe that Easter is the most, the, the greatest redemption story of all time. We all love redemption stories. Who here does not love a good redemption story? Who here does not love the story of the people who who are bought back, they're, they're, they're left out, they're outcasts, or they're underdogs, and, and they lose, and, and they return later on, and they overcome the situation, they overcome their problem. Who here doesn't like a good redemption story where the person suffers loss, he, he's, he's down and he's out, and, and suddenly he's back in the game, and everything changes. How many of you don't love a good redemption story? A good redemption of love, maybe. Maybe a good redemption of a business. Maybe it's a business and a guy lost it all and then he makes it all back in his business and he's booming and, and, and something happens and, and it's incredible. Maybe it's a marriage, a marriage that's on a rock and it's about to end and suddenly God does something and the marriage is restored and something happens. Who here doesn't like a good underdog story? Maybe it's a mother and a father who lose their son and, and they overcome and they have it. We all love a good redemption story. You know, in the Bible, there are narratives that happen throughout all of Scripture. You know, the Bible is wonderful. The Bible is, is a, a, it's a, a collection of books, but at the same time, it's one single message going through all of Scripture. You know, in the Bible, it's, it's almost like a, a tapestry. Anybody like to sew here? Anybody sew? Uh, okay, we have at least one person who likes to sew. That's awesome that you like to sew. I think that's a lost art form. Uh, the other day, something ripped, and I asked my wife. She was kind of struggling to sew something for me. But she's wonderful, right, baby? Don't look at me like that. <laughs> she's wonderful. She's great. She's amazing. Her food is the best. Baby, I love you. <laughs> and, and sewing is a, a lost form. But, but what's wonderful about sewing is you get all of these strands, and you weave them together. And together they make a tapestry. T together they make something that's bigger. You know, the Bible is all about a tapestry that's happening. And, and throughout Scripture, there are strands of things that are happening. There are images that repeat themselves consistently. There are themes that repeat themselves consistently. There are motives that repeat themselves consistently. From Genesis to Revelation, there are these things, these metaphors, these pictures, these allegories, these illustrations that are consistently pointing to one thing. Anybody with me this morning? They run all the way through. You'll notice a lot of times the Bible repeats the same words, repeats the same theme. 
A lot of times the Bible repeats the same story with different characters. You'll notice that this world and this theme is working around a beautiful tapestry and waving it all together and coming together. And today, this morning, I want to weave a story, a fabric from the book of Genesis to the book of John. And today, the story, I want to pull one specific strand inside of scripture that's called redemption. And I want to tell about the tapestry of redemption from Genesis all the way until the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so what I want to do is I actually want to go back to Genesis chapter 2. You know, Genesis is one of the most important books of the Bible. Genesis kind of tells us how we got here. It tells us how everything went wrong. It tells us where we made a mistake. It tells us the promises of how God is going to fix the thing that we did all the way back in the beginning. And this is what happens. You think Genesis is crazy. I think it's one of the most important books. It's an insane book. You think you have family problems. All you got to do is read Genesis. I don't know when this last time you wanted to kill your brother, like literally kill your brother. The Bible exposes it all. And one one thing I love about scripture is that it doesn't hide anything. It, it, It clearly exposes things that you probably wouldn't want to expose. But it's there and it's real and it's authentic because it is the true story of God and his people and God coming after his people. Amen. And so the book of Genesis tells us the story, you know, God, he he gets Adam, he creates Adam, breathes life into Adam. Adam is is born. God tells Adam, okay, I want you to have this responsibility. He puts Adam in the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden, the word Eden in Hebrew means delight and pleasure. So in other words, he tells Adam, I want you to enjoy delight. I want you to enjoy pleasure. I want you to enjoy what this is. And and the story goes that he sees, okay, I'm going to also create an opposite equal to him. I'm going to create this woman. And so he creates this woman. and, And together they start to cultivate this garden of Eden and what happens is one day the, 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 the woman Eve she, she ends up talking to a snake that's weird but, 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 but she talks and then she ends up eating this fruit and from this fruit she ends up sinning and, and from this sin the sin enters into man you know we always say she ate the apple it's, the Bible never says that it's an apple so apples get a bad rap Apples always, people always hating on apples. I don't eat fruits, so I don't know what an apple tastes like, but I'm sure it's not that bad. And, and so they fall, and, and in this fall, there is all these situations, and, and now they're naked, and they realize that they're naked, and, and they feel shame for the first time. And so God comes in, and he clothes them with sheepskin, and, and now they're covered again. But God, he, he, he covers their mistake. They make a mistake, and God says, even though you made a mistake, and he gives them an infinite number of trees, and he says, enjoy and delight in everything, just this one tree I don't want you to eat of, and they eat of it, and now they've made a mistake, and now God jumps into the story. He clothes them. He, he protects them. But what happens is God cannot be around sin. You know, God cannot be in proximity to sin. And so God tells them, you have to leave the garden. And the Bible says that they have to leave this garden. And they lose the right to be in an undivided relationship with God because of sin. And what happens is they have to be removed from the garden. The Bible says they are taken from the garden. And when they are taken from the garden, God puts these two angels in there to kind of keep them out of the garden. And what happens is they are removed. 
you can, after brunch today, you can go and, or, or lunch today, you can go and you can, you can read this for yourself on Genesis chapter 1 through 3. And I believe that Easter is the story of the redemption of man. That Easter is about us stopping what we're doing and us understanding that God wants to relate with you. That you are not a mistake. That you are not here by chance. That even though your parents might have told you that you were an unplanned before the foundations of the earth, God knew you and had a plan for you. That this is not all just chance and happenstance that we are here, that the reality is that God loves you and cares for you intently and carefully, and he numbers the hairs on your head, and he knows the details of your life, and what God has created is not for you to do a bunch of things for him. What God has created you for is because God wants to have a relationship with you. God created us for relationships. God's intention and design and purpose was not doing things. It was relationship. But you can tell me, but Adam from the beginning had to do things. Yes, he did. But it's not about what he was doing. God didn't run out of strength and say, Adam, I need your help. God instead created something so that he could reflect his glory. I'll give you an example, and I'll make this clear to you. It's like my daughter. I, I can take out the trash. It's my responsibility to take out my trash in my house. And I can do that completely fine. But every once in a while, God started speaking to me through this situation because every once in a while, my daughter will want to come take out the trash with me. So what I'll do every once in a while is I'll get a little plastic bag, and I'll put some, some cans in the plastic bag, and I'll close it, and I'll give it into her hands and what happens is I'll grab her hands and I'll walk to the dumpster with her and together we'll throw out the trash. Let me ask you, do you think that I need her help to take out the trash? Absolutely not, but I gave her a job. You know why I gave her a job? I gave her a job so that she could spend time with me, so that she could trust in me, so that she could relate with me, so that she could have a connection with me, so that we can have it. Let me tell you, God has not created you to do something, but you have a purpose and a calling on your life, and that purpose and calling on your life is not unto itself. It's a, it's a, a situation, a destiny, a purpose that God has given to you so that you can have intimacy and connection with him. Let me tell you, you are a mother. You think that that's your purpose? No, God wants to teach you through being a mother in your life. You're a father, you think that's your calling? No, God wants you to be a father, to speak to you through being a father. You are a business owner, you think that's the calling? No, you've missed the point. It's about having a relationship and trusting God inside of your business and inside of your ventures. God has created us for relationship. Is anybody with me this morning? God has created us for relationship. And we messed it up. In the Garden of Eden, we, we, we messed it up. Everything went wrong in the Garden of Eden. But I want to submit to you that the day of Easter was God's redemption for the Garden of Eden. Look how insane. I want to, I want to just present to you four things that are really coincidental. And most likely, God doesn't work within coincidences. And these things are actually signs that point us back to Eden. The first thing I want to present to you this morning is that if you notice the story of the Garden of Eden and you notice the story of the resurrection, you're going to see some things that are similar. The first thing that I want to present to you this morning is that the last thing that Adam and Eve saw when they were removed from the Garden of Eden was two angels. But what was the first thing 
that Mary saw when she got there on that resurrection morning and she looked inside of the tomb. Does anybody know? Two angels. There were two angels behind Adam and Eve when they were kicked out of the garden. They made a mistake, and because they made a mistake, they were no longer allowed to relate with God because of their mistake, because God's light would destroy the darkness inside of them. And so God said, it is better for us to be separated than for my light to destroy you. And so he separates them, and the last thing they see is two angels. But when Jesus Christ died, and here's what happens when Jesus died. When Jesus died, okay, he was innocent. And because he was innocent, he's the only one who was able to tell Take the case of a criminal. And what happens is we are all criminal. The Bible says we have all sinned. Not one is able to say they've never sinned. But on the cross, something spectacular happened. An exchange happened like no other. On the cross, what happened was all of your sin, all of my sin, all of your mistake, all of my mistake was transferred onto the innocent man, Jesus, and all of his innocence was transferred unto the sinner, Ray, unto the sinner, Pedro, unto the sinner, Warner, unto the sinner, natural unto the sinner. We were all redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. This is what happens. And now on the resurrection, what I think is incredible is that two angels are on the way back behind Adam and Eve. But now when Mary walks into the tomb, what does she see? Two angels. I don't think it's a coincidence. I think that this is God saying, you were removed but now through the death of Jesus, you are welcomed back in. Before, you couldn't be here. Now, through the death of Jesus Christ, welcome back into the family of Jesus. I want to tell you, your mistake might have separated you from God, but Jesus' righteousness puts you back together with God. I want to tell you, the angels on that day, they were welcoming Mary and saying, welcoming all of humanity, saying, welcome back to the family of Jesus Christ. You are welcome in. I think it's wonderful because there are some things that are symbolic that you might not even see or notice, but that are so important for us to talk about. The Bible tells us that there's an angel sitting at the head and that there's another angel sitting at the feet. And in between both angels are the bloody linens of Jesus. You know, this reminds me of something that I think is significant for us to stop and us to wonder. In the Old Testament, there was this thing called the mercy seat. And in the mercy seat, it was, it, was a, it was part of the Ark of the Covenant. You guys ever watch Raiders of the Lost Ark? It was, it was part of, of the, 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 the Ark of the Covenant. And on top of it, it was, it was this seat and there was this tablet. And what happens is it was a tablet made of gold. It was wood covered with gold. And there was an angel here and there was another angel here. And they were facing each other. And, and what would happen is the priest in the Jewish time, he would sacrifice a lamb, an innocent lamb. And what he would do is he would spill the blood on that tablet. And what that was a representation of in the Old Testament was that one day the innocent lamb, the innocent man, Jesus, who John the Baptist correctly said is the lamb who takes away the sin of the world would come and his blood would cover our sins and our mistakes. You know what we see there in the tomb? An angel, an angel. And you know what we see in the middle? The blood of Jesus Christ. The, the Ark of the Covenant, the tablet was wood covered in gold. In the Bible, wood points to humanity, and gold points to divinity. Here we have a, an image of Jesus Christ who would come and die, who would be our mediator, who would be our priest, who would be the one to redeem us and restore us. Anybody with me this morning? 
I think there's some imagery here that's wonderful. Look what happens here. Mary looks. And when Mary sees, the Bible says that she just sees a gardener. Jesus is right behind Mary. And when Jesus is right behind Mary, instead of Jesus, instead of Mary recognizing Jesus, she sees a gardener. I always think to myself, why a gardener? He could have showed up as a tax collector, a Pharisee. He could have showed up as a guard. He could have showed up as, as so many different, a construction worker. Why did Jesus choose to show up as a gardener? Let me tell you something. At the garden, everything was lost. But at another garden, everything would be found. I want to tell you, do you know what Adam's first job was? Does anybody know what Adam's first job was? His first job, Adam's first job, was to till and toil the land. Adam's first job, you know what it was? It was to be a gardener. And look what happens. Adam failed as the first gardener. But Jesus Christ succeeded as the second gardener. The Bible tells us that Jesus, one of his names, is the second Adam. You know why? Because where Adam failed, Jesus succeeded. Where Adam made a mistake and condemned the world, Jesus Christ had success and redeemed the entirety of the world. Today, we are able to trust in Jesus. He is the second gardener. Adam didn't fulfill his responsibility, but Jesus fulfilled his responsibility. Jesus comes back to life. Look how insane this is. Jesus comes back to life from resurrection. And you know what's the first thing that he's doing? Taking care of a garden. You know what Adam's first responsibility was? Taking care of a garden. Let me tell you, at the garden, everything was lost. But at the garden, everything was found. Oh, I'm going to start preaching right now. I want you to understand something. At a tree, everything was ruined. But how many of you guys know that on a tree, everything was restored? Everything was restored. That tree that made up the cross, everything was restored. Let me tell you, Moses failed for 40 years in the wilderness. Jesus succeeded for 40 days in the wilderness. I want to tell you right now, Adam did not submit in the garden. Pay attention. Adam did not submit in the garden. But you know what Jesus does? He submits in the garden. Jesus says, my God, my God, if you can pass this cup from me, yet I will do your will. Adam failed in the garden, but in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus succeeded. Is anybody with me this morning? It's a parallel. They're both parallels. These are parallel stories. They're working. Genesis 3 and John chapter 20, they are parallel together. And what happens is the angels kick us out, but now the angels are welcoming us home. The gardener ruined it, but here's a new gardener saving it. I want to tell you something. God is good on his promises. From Eden to Zion, God will never fail on his promises. And if you are here this morning and you have a word from God, you felt God speaking to you, but it seems like everything is falling apart I want to tell you don't give up guard your heart protect it because God's word does not fail turn to somebody next to you his word doesn't fail I imagine the disciples on silent Saturday the disciples have given up their life I, I think about this consistently because I've given up my, my, my 20s unto ministry and calling. I started this when I was 19, 20, and, and, I'm, and I'm in my 30s now. I just jumped into my 30s, and, and I've given up 10, 11 years of my life unto this. And I think about it all the time. Am I wasting my life? 
Am I wasting my life? I think about that, and when I think about that, I think about the disciples. And when I think about the disciples, and, and I think about them, and I think about how they gave three years of their life unto Jesus, and the result of their, 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 their following of Christ was that he died on Friday. And I can just imagine Saturday where everything feels awkward. It's the middle. It feels like a waste. It feels like nothing has happened. But how many of you know that Silent Saturday was preceded and followed right after by the Resurrection Sunday? I want to tell you, if you are in that middle and you feel like nothing is happening, you might be closer to resurrection than you know. You might be closer to your breakthrough than you know. And the answer and the solution is not to give up. It is to keep on trusting the Lord and being faithful because God does not fail. His word doesn't fail. Are you guys with me? Look at the story. We continue the story. And when we continue the story, you see that Mary starts to talk with the gardener. And what happens in the narrative, Mary speaks to the gardener, but she doesn't realize that it's Jesus. I put, I put the, 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 if you're taking notes, I put the next point, and I wrote this, Mary, did you know? Listen, Mary, did you know is one of my favorite Christmas songs. It's one of my favorite Christmas songs. Mary, did you know? That's all I'm going to sing today, I promise. And, 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 and it's one of my favorite, and I love Mary, did you know? But, but this is not a Christmas song. I, I'm asking a question. Mary, did you not know that that was Jesus speaking to you? Mary, did you not understand that Jesus was talking to you and you didn't realize? You know what that makes me wonder? How many of us have had Jesus speaking to us the whole time and we're not realizing that God is speaking to us? How many of us have heard God's voice in our lives and we don't even realize that it's Jesus talking to us through a situation? Maybe Jesus has been talking longer than you think to you. Yeah, you've been searching spirituality. Yeah, you've been searching philosophical books. Yeah, you're trying to find the meaning of life. That's why the most Googled question in the earth today is, why am I here? You know, Ecclesiastes says this, that God has put eternity in the heart of every man. There's a reason why you think about that. There's a reason why you ponder why there's air in your lungs. There's a reason why you are pondering why and, and why you're here and why you're there, why this has happened and why that has happened. There is a reason. There's a reason why you ask, what am I doing? Why am I here? Why not this? Why not that? Why not him? Why not her? Why not me? There's a reason. Some of you this morning are like, I'm not even a follower of Jesus. You've been talking to Jesus longer than you think, I think. He just hasn't revealed himself to you yet. I want to tell you something this morning. Look at me. Do you know when they realized, Mary realized that it was Jesus speaking to her? It wasn't through his countenance. You know what it was? It was through his voice. I want to tell you, how many times has God been speaking to you and you didn't realize it? And then you come to a place where you start to understand and you look back and you say, wow, it was God all along. In my room, it was God. In my life, it was God. In my moments, it was God. Look, a lot of times we need to hear our voice. Mary heard Jesus, but, but it wasn't until Jesus says her name and he says, Mary, that she realizes that's Jesus.
I want to, I wonder how many of us this morning is God looking at you and saying your name? What's your name? God's saying, Mary. Mary. And you recognize his voice and you know his voice. I want to invite Daniel. You can come to the keys. The story goes on. And I'm, I'm, I'm finishing, wrapping up. Jesus says something strange to Mary. He says this. He says, Mary, don't cling to me. I thought about making a bad joke, but I won't make it. But he says, Mary, don't cling to me. And something, something strange happens here. That he says, I want you to go and share what has just happened and taken place here with the disciples. I don't know if you understand this, but from a woman's mouth comes the very first sermon. From a woman's mouth comes the very first message. Today, you know, um, how, what do we, how do we define a Christian? A Christian is somebody who has believed in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has confessed and believed that. That's what we define as a Christian. It's a Christ follower. Are you guys with me? Who was the first Christian? Mary. Who was the first person to share the gospel? Mary. I don't know if you know what this means, why this is significant. But in Roman times, during the time that the story is taking place, Women were not even allowed to testify. A woman's voice was, 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 was anathema. It was, it was cast off aside. Listen, if a woman saw a murder and she wanted to testify of the murder, she wasn't allowed to back in these days. Are you guys with me? Anybody with me this morning? And a lot of people say, you know, this is one of the reasons why we know that the Bible is true because... If they were trying to build a fancy, proper witness system, they would never have said that the first person who saw Jesus Christ resurrected was Mary. But I think it goes even deeper than, than that. Listen, don't crucify me yet. But who took the first bite from the fruit in the garden? Does anybody remember? It was the woman. Where did the woman first sin with? Her mouth. The woman's first sin was with her mouth and it was in the garden. Let me tell you something. Who was the first person to preach the gospel? Let me tell you, the gospel, the first place the gospel came from was from a woman's mouth. From the mouth came the curse, but from the mouth also came the blessing. From the mouth came what brought destruction. But now from that same mouth comes the word of life and joy and peace and restoration. Good tithings of joy. What did God redeem? God redeemed her mouth. Listen, the first person to preach was not John or Peter or James. It definitely wasn't Judas. It was Mary. And this is how it ends. The story concludes with this. The disciples, they're all hiding. Where's the disciples in all of this? Where are all the guys in all of this? You know where the guys are in all of this? They're standing behind closed doors. 
All of the disciples, the Bible says, have forsook Jesus and they have ran away. And you know what happens? They're scared for their lives. You know why they're scared for their lives? Because they don't believe it. It wasn't like Jesus never told the disciples what was going to happen. Jesus is consistently telling the disciples over and over and over again. He's consistently saying, I'm going to die, but I will return. I will die and I'll return. But yet the disciples are all scared. They're even behind closed doors. Listen, even the, the, the enemies of Jesus believed his words so much that they said, post up guards in case he resurrects. Even his enemies believed it, but Jesus' disciple did not believe it. And they're all hiding in a room as if a door could save us. I think about this all the time when I'm locking my door. I always think like, man, this thing is not going to save me. Like, we think, we have this mindset, like, lock, safe. Unlock, unsafe. Lock, safe. Unlock, unsafe. Alive, dead. And we think that a bolt this big is going to save our lives. And they're, they're hiding behind it. Here's another thing that I have a bone to pick with. Is people who work, is there any people who work in airlines? People who work in airlines. I do not understand why this is unsafe, but this is safe. I don't understand why I cannot climb my seat, but if I have to do this, like this much is going to save me if the plane crashes? You know, we trust so many things in our lives that really have no point. You know, a lot of us, we have safety in our retirements. A lot of us will find safeties in 401ks. A lot of us will find safety in money. A lot of us will find safety in relationships. A lot of us will find safety in our business. But I want to tell you this morning, wherever you think that you're safe from God, you're not safe. Because he will come in and he will encounter you wherever you are. What are you hiding from? I want to call you out this morning. What are you hiding from? I want to tell you, Maybe the Lord has brought you here and you think it's by accident. It's once a year that you show up to these things. Or maybe somebody invited you and you're just here for a family member. Maybe you're here because a girlfriend, a boyfriend dragged you here. But, but, but nothing happens by chance. And, and if you're here this morning, maybe, just maybe, God intended for you to be here. I want to call you out. What are you hiding behind? What are you hiding in? You know... In the garden, God said for them to leave. And he said, I send you out. But look at Jesus' words here in this passage. He says, my father has sent me, and now I send you out. Wait a minute. What was the last thing in Genesis 3? Sin has sent you out. But now what is the last thing in the resurrection story? I send you in. Adam and Eve got sent away. But today, this morning, Jesus wants to send you into his life. Jesus wants to call you into a life to follow him. And it's not, a, it's not a safe life. Somebody said this, you cannot be saved and safe. You cannot be saved than safe. But some of us would rather be safe than sent. C.S. Lewis, he says this, he says, if you're looking for a safe God, don't choose this one. One of my favorite parts of the Chronicles of Narnia is when Lucy is talking to the beavers. I get goosebumps just thinking about this. And Luke, Lucy is talking to the beavers. 
And when she's talking to the beavers, she's asking about the lion. And the lion represents God. And she's asking about the God. And she looks at the lion and she says, is the lion safe? And the beavers say, no, he's a lion. And they look again and says, is the lion safe? And they turn, the beavers, and they turn and they say, safe? No. Good? Yes. I want to tell you. If you choose to walk with Christ, it's not going to be the safest journey. You might get hurt along the way. You might find some frustration. Some people fail you along the way. You might find yourself frustrated, expectations broken. But I want to tell you, this journey is not safe, but it is good. One writer said, following Jesus is like getting on a tiger. It's dangerous to ride, even deadlier to get off. I want to tell you, that's why people have been here since 8 o'clock in the morning serving. Because Jesus took their time. That's why we understand our time is not safe with God. Our wallets are not safe with God. Ever since I became a Christian, I became more generous than I could have ever thought. God would, will impulse me every once in a while to spend money. And I'll just be like, what is going on? And he would just say, bless that guy. Give that money to that person. And I, I had to give. My wallet is not safe. Let me tell you something, friend. Your future is not safe. You make plans. Let me tell you, God has better plans for you. You know, it's, <clears throat> it's really kind of frustrating to follow Jesus. Because when we tell Jesus that he's the king, he starts to act like a king in our life. I want to tell you something this morning. Jesus is for you. I want to tell you, he's inviting you into this life. It's not the safest life, no. It's not without its ups and downs, no. It's not perfect, no. It's not without suffering, no, 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 no. If somebody tells you that, I'm sorry, they're lying to you. No, 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 no. This is, it's going to be challenging. It's going to have its ups and downs. But this will be the best life that you ever choose in your entire existence. You will never find purpose like this. You will never experience love like this. Jesus died for you. Think about that. He hangs on a tree that he created. He lets his creation kill him. In his plan to save the people, he's letting the people kill him. The God of the universe that needs nothing and no one creates us out of love and for love gives his life to us. He's beaten. He's bruised. He's crushed. He's so mutilated that people say that you could literally see his organs. Some people would say he was so destroyed you couldn't tell between a, a human and an animal. They put nails through his hands and through his feet. And he hung between two thieves. Adam and Eve, they stole a fruit that they weren't supposed to take. They were thieves. And on the cross, Jesus hangs between two thieves. The redemption. He's the redemption. He's the middle. 
He's the bridge. He's the one who restores. Let me tell you, Genesis and Revelation is God weaving. God loves you. And I want to tell you this morning that Jesus Christ died for you on the cross. He, he lets out these words and he says, Eloi, Eloi, Sabachthani. And, and what that means is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And on the cross was the first time that Jesus refers to God as God and not as Father. Because on the cross, Jesus was no longer Jesus. Jesus was was the sin of the world, your sin and my sin. I want to tell you, Jesus didn't just die for you, he died as you. It's so much better than dying for you, is dying as you. I want to tell you, Ray died on the cross 2,000 years ago. The mistakes of Ray, the lies of Ray, the deceit of Ray died on the cross 2,000 years ago. I don't know who you are. I don't know what mistakes you've made, but I want to tell you by the blood of Jesus Christ, it's died and crucified with him on the cross and all you have to do this morning is believe it to receive it in your life. Oh, my friend. Oh, my friend. This is the redemption story. This is the redemption story. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not a Christ follower. You're not a Jesus follower. You don't even know about any of these things. But something is happening inside of you and you cannot deny it that it's happening and it's occurring. Something is shifting in you right now. And I believe that is the Lord speaking to you. And sometimes you don't realize it. But I believe the Lord is calling our name this morning. He's calling out names this morning. He's saying, I love you. He's saying, I've given my life for you. He's saying, I want to redeem you. You're dead inside, and you know it. You're looking for a way out, and you know it. I remember when I got out of high school, I said I was going to be a Buddhist monk because I didn't know what to do. I just knew that I needed something to fill the void. This morning, I want to tell you, I found that thing, and it's been the best decision I've ever made in my life. Maybe if you're living in a Saturday where everything is silent and dormant. Maybe you're living on a, a moment where everything just feels numb. Maybe you're distant from God. You've never made the decision to follow God. Maybe you've already followed God, but you've taken some steps back. Maybe you don't even know who he is, but you're sensing something this morning. I believe this is a special morning for us.